Grab your Bibles. Grab your phone with your Bible on it. Go to Luke chapter 10 and just hang on right there for a moment. Are you guys stuffy? No, you're like, don't dare turn that thing on, all right? All right. Then you better be amen in me or I'll think you're sleeping, okay? All right, so amen a lot and we'll be all right. All right. Scattered through the year, this year, we are looking at what we're calling some of the big ones. It's kind of messages we're doing between some of the series that we're doing this year. And the big ones really are rediscovering some of the great stories of the Bible. Uh, some of those that some of us learned in, you know, Sunday school and all that kind of stuff. Um, we're learning that, that so often from the stage, I'll reference, well, y'all know this story. And then I realized by the look on your face, you don't know that story. All right? And that's great. That just means we got a lot of people that are growing in their faith and growing in their walk with Jesus. So it's okay. Um, so we're going back and we're rediscovering some of those great stories. Now, it may not come as any surprise to some of you or most of you that this is service month. We're serving our community all month long and because of that, today, we're going to look at the Good Samaritan. Right. Oh, come on, right? Now, some of you, if you've been around church for a while, when I say the Good Samaritan, you're like, oh, I know the story. I'll just tell you, I bet in my life, because I kind of like was almost birthed at church. Anybody else? I think I was like two or three days old, and they're dragging me to church. At three days old, they're like, this boy needs Jesus, right? So, so, so I get it. So I have heard, literally, I, I have for 50, too many years, I have, uh, man, I'm pushing 60. That's crazy, y'all. Um, but but at, 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 at 58, I have heard this story, I would bet, a minimum of a thousand times. Anybody else? You're like, yep, I could teach that. But here's what's interesting. I love the Word of God. It's alive, y'all. It's alive. And, and here's what's cool. Is that when I was studying it this time, surprise, I saw stuff I'd never seen before. Isn't that good? So I want to encourage you, don't check out. Don't check out. Just Jump in, and let's see if we don't learn some things that maybe you've never noticed about this story before. Um, because what, what I see in it is that it's not just a story about a guy who helped out somebody else. That's not the main point of the story. It's really not. Matter of fact... It's not just some guy being nice. Um, it's, it's a lot bigger than that. It's a whole lot bigger than that. Matter of fact, the point of Jesus telling the story of the Good Samaritan, um, it wasn't to challenge this guy, you know. It was more to put a mirror in this guy's face and paint a picture that said, 
look in the mirror. You're no good Samaritan. That's really what it was about. It was him putting a mirror in this guy's face so this guy would recognize you are not a good Samaritan. You are not. Matter of fact, I believe, because of the question at the beginning and the way Jesus responds, I believe what Jesus was saying is, you're no good Samaritan, and without me you will never be. Have you ever thought about the Good Samaritan as a salvation story? <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Matter of fact, if you got your notes, I hope you do. Look at it. Write this down. To truly love God and love your neighbor, it is impossible to do without who? That's right. Without Jesus. That's the point of this story. Is that to truly love God... To love your neighbor, it is absolutely impossible without Jesus. Because anybody in here without Jesus, you're pretty selfish. That's right. Oh, you lying church people. <laughs> you know, I've just always been good and sweet, that's all. <laughs> Come on, right? Right? No, you can fake it. You can do some nice things, but let's, let's, let's just be honest. So often in our culture, we do nice things because <laughs> it makes us feel good. Oh. And can I just tell you, that's selfish. Oh, yeah. It may do them some good, but it's still selfish because I'm doing it because it makes me feel good. That's the point. All right. So, are y'all ready? Are you ready? Luke chapter 10. It says, one day an expert in what? Oh, wait. Are y'all out there? An expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? And how do you see it? Or how do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your as yourself. And Jesus says, right. Do this and you will live. Hmm. So, there's a guy, comes to Jesus, who is an expert in Bible law. He is an expert at the Bible, all right? Of that time, he was an expert in the law of Moses and all the laws that came as a result of the law of Moses. This guy had more scripture memorized than most of us in the room except Sam. Okay? <laughs> I, I, I mean, he had, he had memorized huge chunks of the scripture. He had. He would be like a seminary professor. This guy knew the word. He knew the Old Testament well. 
Matter of fact, he had spent his life trying to work out what God required of him so that he would inherit eternal life. What do I have to do? What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? His entire life was about the study of what I have to do for God to be pleased with me. But Jesus' teaching was jacking all that up. He was pushing him. He was challenging him. And the guy and all of his buddies that were religious teachers, they're like, I don't like this grace-filled, lovey-dovey, easy gospel that Jesus is preaching. That's literally where they were. And, and, and so he's like, what do I have to do? Now, it says that he came to test Jesus. Um, one translation says he came to trap Jesus. So this guy was asking the question because he was expecting Jesus to respond And he was expecting, based on what he had heard about Jesus, or possibly even heard Jesus say, he thought what was going to happen was, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus go, all you need to do is trust in me. All you need to do is believe in me that I am the Son of God. At which point... This guy was going to pounce on Jesus and show Jesus in the Bible how wrong he was. That was the plan. Matter of fact, I believe that he wanted to show everybody around Jesus' teachings don't line up with the scripture. So stop following this heretic. That was the point. Stop following this guy because what he's saying doesn't line up. And, And what Jesus said is, no, it lines up. I didn't do away with it. I just came to finish it, fulfill it, right? That's what he said. So, so this guy is like, what must I do? See, in his culture, what he wanted was a checklist. If I do this, and I do this, and I do this, and I do this, and I do this, God's going to look and go, he did every one of those things. He checked all the boxes, so now I have to let him in heaven. That's what he wanted. He had lived a life of checking the boxes. I'm doing all the right things, and so I need to know, what is, am I doing everything that's required? Everything that's required. Everything that I need to do to inherit eternal life. All right? So, how do I inherit eternal life? I'm expecting Jesus to say, just believe. But Jesus does a very Jesus kind of thing. He answers a question with a question. He did that all the time, you know. He answered a question with a question. So he kind of threw it back. And now the guy's a little bit taken back going, 
He says, well, what, is, what does the law say? What did Moses say about it? And the guy's like, well, just love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is like, okay, just go do that. Now the guy's really taken back. Like, what? Yeah, just go do that. Just go love God perfectly. (laughs) Just go love your neighbors like you love yourself. You take care of yourself. Just go, go do that. Go do that and you will inherit eternal life. Now that's going to mess up some of our theology. But the point was, he was hoping the guy would see You can't love God perfectly no matter how hard you try. Come on. You can't love your neighbor as yourself within yourself. It's not possible. It's not possible. And and he was hoping the guy would kind of understand that. All right? Just, just. Do those things. And, and, and I believe that he was telling him that. Also, just go do that. The language there in the original translation is like, you haven't even been doing what you know to do. Go, do, go start there. <laughs> go do what you haven't been doing that you already knew you need to be doing. Is anybody else in the room? Come on. You know? It, 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 it's, it's like your kids, right? Why do you tell me the same thing over and over? Because you hadn't done it yet. We get frustrated at them, and I wonder if, if, uh, if Jesus looks down and says, just, just do what you know. Don't worry about what you don't know. Just, just do what you know, you know? And then we'll worry about the rest later, You know, and that's kind of the feel of this. He's like, you haven't been doing it, so just go do what you know to do. Just go love God perfectly. Yeah, with all your everything. Just go love God perfectly. Try that for a while. You know, and love your neighbor as yourself. And and the guy then is like, okay, so... Evidently, I've not been doing it. So then, I love, he skipped, though, loving God perfectly. You know, either he knew he had bombed that one, or or he honestly, in his self-righteousness, thought he was already doing that. I got that one down. But who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? You know? You really don't expect me to love everybody. It's impossible to love everybody. So so who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. To explain to him, to explain to him who his neighbor was. And remember, 
It's an answer to the question of how do I inherit eternal life. Think about it. Think about it. It's pretty interesting. All right. Are y'all still there? All right. All right. So, Jesus replied with a story. When he said, who's my neighbor? He replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to... Ah, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped off his clothes, beat him, and left him half dead beside the road. Now, when Jesus started the story with, there was a Jewish man. What kind of man? Jewish man. What kind of man was Jesus talking to? A Jewish man. Right? He was an expert in Jewish law. He was a Jewish man. And he said, there was this Jewish man that was going from Jerusalem down the road to Jericho. Now, when he said that, the entire, entire crowd would have been like, oh, I know that road. That, that road is notorious. That road, they would have all been thinking, I hope he's not alone. Before he ever got there. Because this road was crazy. Matter of fact, I saw some pictures, but I didn't, I couldn't find one that was good enough to show on the on the big screen. This road was crooked, really steep, and wound down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and and it was so steep and so rocky and so narrow that it literally, the name of the road was the way of blood. They called the road the way of blood. So Jesus would have been saying The road from Jerusalem down to Jericho, you know, the way of blood. There was this Jewish guy, and he was walking down that road, 17 miles of treacherous road that people died on all the time, and people were robbed all the time. It was notorious for robbers and bandits to hide in the cliffs and in the rocks. And because it was such a narrow, treacherous road, people couldn't see him coming. And they would rob and beat people. It was a common thing. And as I thought about this, because you guys know my mind works in pictures. And so as I thought about this, I wondered how many in the crowd would be like, that happened to my cousin. It was a very common occurrence. What Jesus was talking about wasn't hypothetical. It was something that everybody there knew. Yep, I know that road. And yep, that happens all the time. Very common. Very well-known situation. So there was a what kind of man? A Jewish man who was robbed, beaten, and left half dead. And it, I love verse 31, it says, and it just so happened. (laughs) It just so happened that a priest 
comes by. And in that culture, the priest is the closest thing to God on the planet. Like if there is anybody, remember this is a response to a question and to an answer. If anybody on the planet loved God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and loved their neighbor as their self, it was the priest. If there was anybody out there, because his job, his full-time occupation was to love God with all my heart and to love people enough to bring them to God. That's what he did. Are y'all with me? So if there was ever a guy on the planet that was going to love God and love this guy who's been beaten up and a priest and a Jew are both Jews. So it's not only is he the closest thing to God on the planet as far as this expert is concerned. <laughs> he's also family. Same tribe, they're family. The guy beaten up, laying on the ground, bleeding out is family with the priest. So, it says that he, the priest, just so happened to come by. He saw the guy and walked around. One translation said he stepped over him and kept going. Then Jesus says, there was another guy come by. He was a Levite. And a Levite was a guy that was also full-time worker in the church. He ministered to people for his livelihood, for his life. He had devoted himself to the temple of God. He was the guy, depending on what part of the Levite tribes you were from, you was either the guy that came in on Saturday and set up all the chairs and carpets, right? Got the, got the articles of worship ready, or he was the one that would lead worship from in front of people. They were worship leaders, right? So they were like the Chris Tomlin, Lauren Daigle, you know, they were the Thanel and the Abbey, but I'm sure those guys would not walk by them, this guy, right? But this Levite, who was a full-time, and again, this expert in the law said, yeah, Levites, they're good at working for people. They're good at loving people, bringing people into worship. This guy will help him, but that guy did what? What did he do? He walked by also and did nothing. Now, here's the thing. i got to give the, the, the priest and the Levite a little bit of grace because here's the deal. Because the guy was bloody, had they stopped and helped him, they would not be able to lead worship in the temple for several days because they would be, that's right, they would be ceremonially unclean. If they buy Bible law, if they, according to the scripture, touched somebody that was bloody, they couldn't go back in the temple for a while. 
And so, and they did that so that germs weren't spread and all that kind of stuff. But, but that was part of it. So they're like, eh, you know, I've got important business at church to do. If I stop and help this guy, I won't be able to do my duty. So for the greater good of everybody, I better just keep going. Come on. I just, I, you know, it's probably more important that I stand on the stage and lead than help this guy, than serve this guy. That's probably what God would want me to do. Anybody else ever rationalize it? Or maybe these two guys are like, man, that guy might not be really hurt that bad. Matter of fact, it could be a trap. And if I stop to help him, they might rob me too. I can't help him change the flat tire. It could be a trap. Come on. <laughs> right? All of these thoughts that possibly were, were going on in these guys' heads. Oh, lots and lots of excuses. All right? Um, but then, Jesus says, but then came a Samaritan. <laughs> I love the one translation says, then came a despised Samaritan. I think that's more accurate. Then came a despised Samaritan. And this Samaritan... Can I just say, when, when, when he said, then came a Samaritan, all of the crowd that Jesus was talking to would have booed. When he mentioned a Samaritan, they would have all went, boo, boo, Samaritans. Everybody there would have. Boo, Samaritans are no good. They're trash, that's right. Samaritan can't do anything right. God hates Samaritans. They truly believe that. They truly believed that God hated Samaritans. The Jews hated Samaritans. And guess what? The Samaritans hated the Jews. They did. They were like Samaritans to the Jews were like this half-breed. You know, you used to be part of the family, and now you're not. You know, you're trash, you're mongrels. All of that stuff was going on. The Samaritans hated the Jews. The Jews hated. It was racial hatred. It was religious hatred. It was a hatred because they both believed their way to worship was the right way. Sounds like some of the body of Christ. And it breaks God's heart when we're like, come worship our way, because they're wrong. Come believe my way, because they're wrong. Can I just tell you, I, 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 I drive by every Sunday morning 
the other churches. I make a different path every Sunday. And I pray and I bless God and I thank God for the Catholic Church. I thank God for the Methodist and the Presbyterian and the Episcopal. I thank God for my, my friend Ron Tilly at First Assembly and Mark Lyle. And, and I praise God for, for Grace Bible and for all of those churches. Because guess what? None of us have a monopoly on Jesus. None of us. We do it different. <laughs> that don't make it better. Come on. I, I like it better. But I don't make, are y'all hearing me? I just, I, I, the racial Religious hatred has to break God's heart. Matter of fact, the Jews hated the, the Samaritans so bad that one of the prayers, I don't know if you know, they had written out prayers and they would read these prayers over and over. One of the prayers that they prayed all the time literally said, God, I thank you that there will be no Samaritans in the resurrection. God, I thank you that there will be no Samaritans in heaven. They prayed that. Matter of fact, they hated the Samaritans. Did you know even the disciples, Jesus' handpicked guys, hated Samaritans? They grew up hating them. Matter of fact, one chapter back in chapter 9, you see that, that the disciples tried to go to Samaria and find lodging for the night. And nobody in Samaria would give a Jew a night to stay. I'm not giving you a place to stay. And look at, these are like ace disciples. Top dog disciples. Look what they said. I, I love, love this. It says, but the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because of his way to, or, or <laughs> because he was on his way to Jerusalem. In other words, he was a Jew going to worship. So they weren't going to help him out. When James and John, ace disciples, saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call fire down from heaven and just burn them alive? <laughs> uh, I love these guys. They were so real. Right? They were so real. Like, yeah, you don't give Jesus room? We're just going to call fire down. Boom. <laughs> Anybody ever wanted to call fire down? Come on. <laughs> but, but the very next verse, Jesus is like, it actually says he rebuked him. But I turned around and he was like, guys, you know better. Right? You know better. We're not calling fire down, smoke, boop, burn them up. No, we're not. We're not going to do it. But that was the level of hatred. For these Samaritans. But this Samaritan, he came by. He came by and he did three things. And we're going to wrap this up quickly from here. All right? 
he did three things. He took notice. Write it down. He took notice. The Samaritan, that he could not possibly be the hero of the story, but he took notice, and then write this down, he took pity, and he took action. He took notice, took pity, took action. The Samaritan did not just glance in passing and go, man, poor guy, poor guy, so sorry. Sucks for you. That wasn't what he did. Matter of fact, that word that it, that it looks at where it says he saw him, that, that word literally meant he studied the situation. He studied it. He took notice of the guy. He looked the situation over very, very hard. He took notice And because he took notice, because he took pity, or or because he took notice, that notice turned into pity. Or some translations say compassion. It, It was compassion or pity. Even though in his head he had to be thinking, this Jew hates me. I'm supposed to hate him. But when he really looked at the situation, he took pity. And I want you to see maybe pity or compassion in a little different light. This is one of those things that just jumped out at me as I studied this. That pity says, what if that were me in that situation? What if that were me? What if that were me that got robbed, beaten, and left half dead. What would I want somebody to do for me? That's pity. That's compassion. It's not just going, poor guy. No. It's like, what would life be like if I were in their shoes right now? What would life be like if I were in their shoes? I would want somebody to help. What, what would life be like for me if I lived in that house? If I lived in that situation? What would life be like to live in a house with no windows, no running water, and no toilet in Mena, Arkansas? You found that situation. There's some in the room that are working on that situation. If that were me, I would hope and pray that somebody would help. That's pity. That's compassion. Matter of fact, the Greek word used for the Jesus kind of Compassion is, I love this, splankanizomai. Come on, y'all. Come on, say it. It's kind of fun. You might spit on somebody, but try it. All right? All right? Come on. Everybody say it. Splankanizomai. Oh, come on. Come on. You got to go in the middle of it. Splank. You ready? Ready? Splankanizomai. 
<laughs> Some of you are like, I learned the word today. Splanknizomai. That's the Greek word, and it means connecting to the point of, to, to, of someone's situation that it literally makes you sick in the gut. That's the Jesus kind of pity or the Jesus kind of compassion. It was splanknizomai. It was so connected that it just makes you sick. Like, I feel it in my gut. I feel it deep, deep down inside. I feel it so, so much that the only option is to take action. I, I feel it in my gut so much we got to do something. I don't know how we're going to get water and sewer in a house, but we got to do something. Come on. I, I, we got to do something. The Samaritan, he took or she, we don't know. We assume it was a guy, every storybook. We don't know. It just says a Samaritan. Could have been a, could have been a lady. That a Samaritan took notice, took pity, was moved to action. Got off their donkey, cleaned, bandaged the wounds, loaded the guy up, took him to an inn, cared for him for several days, paid out of his own pocket for it. This man was a busy guy. The Samaritan was a busy guy. We know he was a busy guy because after a couple of days, he goes, I have to go. <laughs> I can't stay any longer. I have to go take care of business but I will be back. And when I come back, anything else you've spent, I'll pay you for it. Make sure the guy gets whole. Make sure the guy gets well. Just do it. Just do it. Take care. I'm going to take care of him for a few days and then whatever it costs. He, he, he saw. He had pity. It moved him to action. I love it. I wish I had time to tell you so many stories that are happening right now around our town. One of those is, is uh, Tony Hooper. I didn't ask permission, but it's okay. He loves me. Uh, Tony, Tony Hooper, uh, uh, several, several weeks ago, was driving around. This was long before we even started talking about service month and all of that. And he was driving around, and he saw some guys on the back of a garbage truck. And he was like... That is one of the most thankless jobs a person could have. Like, but what would life look like without them? What would our town look like without them? And so he brought it to his circle and, and asked his circle, said, what do you think if we do something to say thank you to those guys? That ride on the, on the trucks and help clean up. And so, so Friday morning at 5.30, a group showed up out at Southern Disposal and cooked breakfast, a big old breakfast for all of those guys just to say thank you, just to say thank you. I mean, it was pancakes and burritos and all kinds of good stuff. Just took the, the, the Blackstones out there. Anybody Blackstone? Come on. Anyway, and, and, uh, and, anyway, and, and it, was, it, was, it was so cool just to say thank you. There are so many other circles this week 
that I know of that had eyes to see, took pity, took action. I've got pictures of yards that, that have been cleaned, trees that have been cut off of, houses, toilets that were falling through the floor that now they've got a working toilet in the house. I, I mean, all of these things of people going, somebody needs to do something. It might as well be me. It might as well be me. Splank knees, oh my. You know, I believe that Jesus desires for his church to have eyes to see Amen. the needs. That walk in splank knees, oh my, where it just literally we see the need and it makes us sick. Like something's got to happen. Something needs to happen. And that it would move us to action. But so often the body of Christ, we're really good at pointing out what others are not doing. Or pointing out the need or pointing out the problem. But not being willing to step in and be part of the solution. It's just true. Can I just say, I believe the time is now. Now is the time. Because there are people wounded, hurting, broken, beaten up all around. Amen? And I believe that Jesus wants us to do, take what we have and, and live with an open hand giving it, giving of our time. But did you know that's only part of the story? It's an important part of the story. But that was only part of the story. Jesus tells this story to this guy so he would recognize you're, you're no good Samaritan. You're not. You're not. Jesus wanted him to understand that if you want to inherit eternal life, it, you, you must love God with all, 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 all. And you must love your very worst enemy more than yourself. Not just love those that love you, but, but you need to find the one that you hate and love them more than you love you. And that, in my selfish, sinful nature, is impossible. Come on, y'all. It's impossible. The point of the story was to point this guy to you can't make yourself on your own love a Samaritan. You can't do it. You're too selfish. You're too self-centered. Your nature, it is broken, selfish. And you can't do it with that nature. Matter of fact, write this down. I know it's long. You can't truly love God and love people without dying to self and letting Jesus come in and give you his spirit Because only His Spirit 
truly loves God with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, all of my strength. It is in His Spirit that, and His Spirit alone that I can love my enemies like I love me. It will never happen outside of the spirit of Jesus living in us. So the point was, you can't do it without Jesus. If you want to do it, then you got to put your trust in me. Have you ever thought about this? Because this, this really, I believe, is true. You try to find, who are the people in the story? Well, obviously, I'm not a good Samaritan. So, who is the good Samaritan? Have you ever thought about Jesus? Is the only good Samaritan. It's only by His Spirit that we can. Do you know what? The only good thing in me is what Jesus puts in me. Amen. Come on. I, I, I am rotten on my own. Come on. I'm selfish on my own. <laughs> but when the Spirit of God, when Jesus, the good Samaritan, inhabits my life, come on, when I let the good Samaritan come in, and root out that root of bitterness, that root of selfishness, when I allow the Spirit of the living God to come in and work in me, then I become the hands and feet of the Good Samaritan. Come on, right? I cannot be without Him. It will never ever happen. Jesus is the good Samaritan. He's the one that came down off the donkey. He humbled himself. He went out of his way to pick us up from our brokenness. Come on. To pick us up from our bleeding out on the side of the road. To pick us up from our self-righteous religious life. And he paid what it cost to make us whole. To make us healed. Come on, y'all. Come on, right? Oh, come on. If you're going to do it, do it. I, I mean, seriously. He paid for it all. On the cross, coming out of the grave. And when I truly let Him do the work in me, then, then what happens is, out of gratitude of what He did for me, I have to be a good Samaritan. Not because I'm forced to or coerced to or, you know, inspired to. No. But because the good Samaritan's living in me. And the more I let him out, it just happens. We don't have to have a program. 
It just happens. We have eyes to notice. Our heart breaks because his heart breaks. The good Samaritan in us goes, man, she's my girl and she's struggling. He's my, he's my man and he's broken and bleeding out. And there's no way with the spirit of the good Samaritan living in us that we could walk around and do nothing. So here's the question. Am I still trying to do it on my own? Like the religious leader, am I just trying to learn enough Bible that he'll accept me? Am I just trying to do enough good deeds that Am I trying to be good enough, work hard enough, check all the boxes? I'm checking the church box. I'm checking the pray every day box. I'm checking the, am I trying to earn my way to heaven? And if you are, stop. Give it up. Jesus says, it is impossible for you to love God perfectly on your own. And it is impossible for you to love your neighbor as yourself on your own. You can't do it. So, surrender. Let Jesus, the good Samaritan, give you his spirit. There may be some right now, you just need to right where you are and say, that's me. I wondered why I kept failing trying to do it, trying to be good enough and work hard enough. And if that's you, just surrender right now, right where you're sitting. Just say, Jesus, I'm tired of doing this. I can't be good enough without you. I give you me. I, I let the good Samaritan fill me right now with his spirit. I surrender. You be my Lord. I want to love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, all my mind. I want to love my neighbor, but I can't do it without you, Jesus. I want to just close your eyes right where you are. Pray that. Wherever that fits, whatever part of that fits, just take a moment. Jesus, my, my prayer. Is that we would not, out of duty, out of coercion, out of some sense of obligation just go do stuff Father my prayer is that out of an overflow of gratitude 
to Jesus, the good Samaritan. The good Samaritan that picked me up out of the road, that bandaged my wounds, that put ointment on them so they'd heal, that took and paid the price to babysit Victor until he got well. That out of gratitude to the spirit of the good Samaritan that lives in me, that I and this body would just out of gratitude overflow your spirit in our community. And it would be an overflow of gratitude to you. Let it be, Lord. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, then here's our challenge. This week... I wonder this week, out of an overflow of gratitude of what Jesus did for me, I will, everybody say, take notice, take pity, and everybody say, take action. Amen? Amen? All right, well then give me my hand. Give the good Samaritan a hand. He's worthy. He's worthy.